This is Boat Crew RPG with Fruit of the Withered Vines. In the lower sublevels of Cathedral St. Andre, torchlights dance on the walls as the last of the red robed men and women pile into the room. On a heavy wooden table before them, Chloris screams out in pain. His chain bindings burn his skin, and he can feel the spring flowers of his fey mien slowly withering. The eldest of the men recites an incantation in Latin. In nomine patri, Chloris spits as a younger woman wearing a red habit holds a rosary to his face, and he violently jerks his head to the other side, trying not to behold it. The older man speaking in Latin shouts out, Be still, demon! In a last-ditch effort, Chloris attempts to unleash, but he can no longer feel the mists. His face clenches tightly as tears run down his face. What's happening? Please! A splash of water spills across the table onto the changeling. He sees his sprite weeping in a corner. The prayer finishes, and Chloris is no more. The young woman in red, nun attire, pushes her round glasses up and looks into a dusty tome that lay flat on the table. She begins to carefully put away the rosary beads. It seems the baptism works better when we're able to determine the demon's specific weaknesses. I advise at least learning its name next time. It'll be much easier. Bring this one to the dungeon. I'll run more tests tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Dark Ages Fae. Uh, I am here with my good friends, Craig and Bill. And we're going to be playing a little bit of a... little bit of an underrated game here. Uh, this is a White Wolf game from the Dark Ages line. Um, this game is a lot different than the other uh, Fey games in the dark uh, in the uh, World of Darkness world. Um, it's it's from the year two thousand four. So this game uh, kind of comes out after Changeling: The Dreaming. And a little bit before the game Changeling the Lost, um, it was kind of created and pegged as like a precursor game to Changeling the Dreaming. However, it does share a lot of uh, similarities in DNA with Changeling the Lost, while at the same time just being completely different from anything else that you've ever read, heard of, or, or anything. So uh, the game that I'm planning uh, this is going to take place in uh, 1230. Uh, this is going to be in the rural villages near Bordeaux. Um, this is like southwestern France near Spain. Uh, but this area is uh, English controlled during this time. Um, and it's part of a region uh, known as Aquitaine. Um, the area, it's well known for its wine. And it also boasts a large cathedral. And, um, you know, in, in, the, in the current years, many artisans have uh, kind of traveled to this region to take part in the prosperity of this area. And so in this game, uh, you both will be playing Fae during this time. Um, and this particular time in this in-game setting world, there's like a lot of various things going on between the Fey courts, um, the different agendas. Uh, the Fey have long predicted that during this year of 1230, this 
truce that they've maintained for centuries will uh, will fail or will will come to an end, and uh, the Fae will will take part in this giant war amongst themselves. And uh, this is kind of like a revelation that they've always known would eventually come. Uh, and you know, the clock has uh, has now ticked to that time, and many Fae are wondering uh, what happens next. And uh, that's basically the the world in which uh, your player characters will be. Uh, that's the world they'll be inhabiting. Um, and so now I kind of open the table to you guys, and uh, we're just gonna kind of like take it freeform from here, and we're gonna kind of like talk about just like different ideas that we we might have for like character concepts, different ideas for just like anything you think is cool, um, let's just, let's just have a talk. Let's just uh, see where this goes. Um, yeah. Um, let me, uh, let me ask you, Bill, um, have you given any thought to, uh, to what type of, of fae you are to, to what, uh, you know, to what you might want to be in this, in this world, in this setting? Yeah, I have an idea that I mentioned briefly on the discord, which I think could be entertaining and fun. I like the idea of working with the firstborn, the they who sprang forth from the mists themselves, who may or may not have spent some time as sprites, the they who predate so much, one who once held some positions of power and worship by humans, but was laid low and trapped by iron for many long ages, lost much of what he once was, but still remembers it still thirsts for the way things were long ago and has only recently been freed to hope to both deal with the world as it is now, so different and alien, and also regain something of what he once was. Yeah, that's a very, uh, very strong concept, I think. And um, just like some some things we can maybe like think on uh, in that, like, what do you think, uh, like, how do you picture uh, he was trapped? Would this have been by by humans? Would this have been by, uh, you know, human uh, weavers who, you know, that that's like how the fairies kind of describe humans that are able to wield magic or so like mages and stuff like that. Like, how do, I, how do you I, picture, I, sorry. No, I, sorry, I was just trying to answer there. Yes, I do think by human, it's either weavers or smiths, ones who knew the power of iron, which I think he was, say, trapped in a circle of iron that he could not leave, but neither did they want to approach him so closely that they could deal with him directly, because he was contained, you know, within iron implements, perhaps in, in a cave or in a deep forest, and then when those when that iron finally rested away, it left a break in that horrible trapping circle and he was able to get out but he was so much weaker and less than he was before that's a very interesting point um okay so during this time period they have kind of like shifted their focus less so on things that make them they've shifted their focus less so on their origins like being a like uh, being firstborns together is like less important than like being summer court mates together. Um, origin ties have like, they used to be the most important thing. Like firstborn stuck with firstborn and anime stuck with an anime changelings, you know, always stuck with changelings. 
But now it seems that that kind of relationship has fallen to the wayside as people focus more on their court affiliations. Um, so do you think that like while you were imprisoned, do you think that um, you would have had like connections to other Faye? Uh, do you think that Faye would have like worried for you, would have um, would have missed you at all? Or do you, do you see yourself as kind of like a, a like a lone, a lone force? Um, I'm hoping that he would have been missed by some, but they wouldn't have been able to quite get him out is the problem because otherwise he wouldn't have been trapped. Right, exactly. Perhaps a lot of his allies had been hunted down in different ways as well, and maybe they met the iron even more closely. Maybe very few remember him. Maybe some now who are fey were sprites then. That's a really that's good his point. initial connections. Okay, I really love that. I think that's amazing. So like when somebody in your position is freed from this enslavement, what is their mindset on humanity? What is their mindset on, on the state of the world? Uh, humans have, have built these massive civilizations. Um, they're following these religions that they seem to have created. How do, how do you view everybody getting on without you? It's complicated. There's honestly a lot of emotions he has going on. He's impressed and enraged at the same time because, I, let's say, those pesky Romans, when they overtook the Gauls, who he knew, destroyed so much of everything and everyone he held dear. He had sworn oaths to provide for those who had followed his tenants and make sure that their hunts were successful. Now he's going to see if he, what he can find left of those who might even remember the old ways over a thousand years later, 1400 years later, something like that. So he's impressed, vengeful, but then he has nothing to spend his vengeance on either. So somebody with your experience and your mindset, I could see almost any of the seasonal courts being like a good fit for you. I could also see somebody with your experience rejecting the courts altogether and being a solstice fay and just not really wanting anything to do with, with that whole, um, with that whole conflict. Uh, but the fae do all find like a, a sense of belonging uh, in membership to the courts. It provides them with, like actual power. Um, so it's like being a solstice is, is a little bit more rare, but I could definitely see the mindset um, that this idea, that this concept you're thinking of uh, would have kind of like fitting with any of the agendas of the court. So uh, I would say that like courtiers from the winter court would definitely try to appeal to your sense of we need to preserve mastery over humanity. We need to give them something to be afraid about. We need to reclaim these woods. We need to punish the people who forget these boundaries by eating them and making examples out of them. Um, that would kind of be their agenda. They from the summer court, they're very bound in rigid tradition. Um, I also think that one kind of like makes me think of uh, like firstborn stuff the most um, because like it's the most firstborns in that court 
Um, so they would probably appeal to you um, under the notion that like you need to join, you need to join summer to regain your, you know, rejoin Faye society in like the, the, you know, follow the word, you know, this is like the way it always was. And this is the way it always should be. Uh, join us in our traditions. And like, that's kind of more like, it, it seems similar to winter in a sense, but they're actually like kind of enemies with winter. Um, they're more so about like enforcing like rigid structure than uh, just like eating people to like demonstrate power over them. Um, Spring Court would appeal to you by saying this free stage that you're in is a new stage and it's one of many and we're all constantly changing. And so too is this world changing. So too are these humans changing. And so too are our courts changing. And you need to be a part of the change. You need to grow and adapt to change. And, you know, they would tell you that under their tutelage, um, they could, they could sane you into that, into that lifestyle and show you how that is. Um, the autumn courts would appeal to you saying that you've learned a great deal about humanity through your imprisonment. And they seek to understand the tools which humanity wields um, for their own survival. Um, they seek ways to blend, to hide, and to integrate themselves um, for, for survival. They have like an interest in humanity, but it's very kind of just based on like, how do we find a way to fit into this new thing that's happening? So in a way, spring and autumn are very similar. Uh, but they're also kind of just like different, I don't know, different views on similar things. Do any of those ideas speak to you or would they speak to your character? I think he would have, in the very first instances, had Winter reached out to him before anyone else been moved to join them, if only because of the fact that he felt that it would do ways to right so many wrongs. But Winter didn't reach him that quickly, and quickly enough that he could realize that, like I said, those he would have spent his vengeance upon are long gone, and he knows not whether or not their children would learn from his lessons in certain senses. I'm also thinking a big thing again, those sprites which are now full firstborn, he would be concerned with them. And I think that it might be interesting that at least the first one he contacted, or maybe more than one of them, though not obviously necessarily all, had joined the Autumn, and that was something that made him feel welcome. For he knew that sprites would potentially and someday become firstborn of their own right, and that more than one did and treated him with old and due respect and told him what they had been doing, encourage them enough to at least try it for now. And that's a very, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, so sprites, they are spirits of the mist, creatures of the mist that are not fully formed enough to be actual fae yet. Um, they can, however, grow enough in power to become firstborn uh, with enough time and enough 
you know, fostering and, and the right mentorship, uh, they can accumulate enough power to kind of, you know, they're basically like uh, potential and they can grow in potential enough to eventually form into a firstborn. Um, I could see a lot of sprites finding, you know, sprites that become firstborn finding refuge in the autumn court uh, because the autumn court again is like so much about finding your way in human society and finding a place to fit. Um, a lot of these sprites uh, probably had to do that for themselves, especially the ones that were able to become firstborn. Um, and I think that that court kind of speaks a lot to that process and that mindset. So I would say that's like a very, uh, very strong concept. Um, also, in earlier times, courts were a lot more fluid. Um, a person could find themselves leaning towards autumn and maybe even be saned in that court, only to later on find a different way and be saned into a different court. Um, but uh, that for, from my understanding, at least, uh, but that was my understanding too. Which is yeah. why I was thinking he's like autumn leaning winter. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's definitely the way that the Fae have kind of always done things. With this war of seasons, however, this process has changed a lot. Um, court loyalties are like almost enforced by the mists now. It's like it almost won't really facilitate this fluid change of courts. It's almost like the mists are ready for war too. Um, and, and so people find themselves very bound in these court identities. Um, so that's another thing to consider, definitely. Um, you would have had a saning, uh, you would have had a fostering and a saning into one of the courts. And that would have been a process where you were kind of mentored taught the court's ways and their ideals. You would have spent time in a fairy holding belonging to the court of your choice. And uh, they would go through this process where you're cleansed. Um, and then you would claim the court in your, in your naming process. And like you go through this whole kind of like ritual that takes a full year um, and you come out on the other side of it, a saned member of, the, of your court. Um, and then it's kind of hard to, to turn back from there. There's a lot of stories of uh, people that kind of reject the process or they change their minds halfway through, but they're too afraid to, to speak up and they let the sanding happen anyways, because they don't want to become a solstice fae and be branded as an outsider forever. And they're maybe stuck in a court that they really just don't agree with. And that's just a reality for many Fae during these times. For him, it would have been a very hard and easy thing at the same time to do. Partly because this is one more time that he's have to humble himself again and again and again to face a world that has changed. But an easy thing because at the same time, he still remembers when long initiations were normal. There were long initiations for the priests who served him. There were long initiations for everything power and knowledge and wisdom don't transfer themselves at the snap of a finger even for the firstborn they must be learned and learned properly and he understands that too okay that's awesome 
So I would think that you would have been approached by a sprite you knew in a previous life. Uh, now he goes by the name Prince Carling. And he is the prince of the of the uh, the autumn court in this area. Um, goes go, like he he has domain over a holding that they call the oldest son's stairway. And this is a place that's very even it's like hospitable to the other courts. Uh, it's the most accepting of changelings. Um, it's kind of like a very liberal court to be a part of uh, because they're very open to the idea of like using whatever means necessary to ensure the survival of the Fae, even if that breaks traditions, even if that um, doesn't align with the winter court's idea of power and submission or the spring court's idea of change regardless of anything. Um, and they think, uh, they think they're going to be able to figure this out. Uh, they think their side is going to be the one that's going to prevail and, and find its its place in the war of seasons. Um, so I think that's pretty strong concepts. Uh, did you have any like questions or anything else you wanted to like talk about or, or hash out? Because I think I have a pretty strong idea of how we can kind of like make this in the, in this game. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the big history concept I have. I mean, I plan that he's going to have a lot of mixes of arrogance and humility and all the fickle capriciousness that anybody would hope for and fear in a fairy story. And I feel like I'm going to have to make sure he has connections already that exist. That, he, that I'm going to have to have him, say, put points into some sprites that he has already now found. Some his social connections, allies, and stuff like that in the court. It's going to be have more ties than power himself because he still has to recover much of so much of what he was. And he's going to have this note of bitterness because he still doesn't like to have to admit, even if only to himself, that he is not what he once was. Though that bitterness is tempered by noticing that he's not the only one who has to say that in this day that is truly ruled by the mortals even if he has to say it to himself slightly louder than some might. It's very well said. Um, and another thing that you said kind of reminds me of like one of the fictions from the book. It's a very cool little short story of this uh, autumn court fay who's in the holding of, I think it's a, he's in a winter holding and he's having some kind of disagreement with the ruler of that holding. And uh, they're kind of like, arguing back and forth and this autumn fay uh there's like a rumor about his history about that he you know that he he killed his his old master or something like that and uh there's like this this back and forth argument but eventually the autumn fay convinces this guy this winter fay who is probably very unfair to his sprites uh he convinces this man's sprites to uh turn on him and and join this autumn fay instead and there's just kind of this very cool scene of just like all the hungry sprites uh, just kind of like turn on this guy and go with the autumn court dude who uh, who takes care of them better. Um, yeah, just thought it was neat. Okay, that's very cool. Um, I think when we get into the actual like assigning the dots and stuff and we go into the features uh, system of this game, 
we can uh, kind of talk about like what you want to look like in your, in your fairy form and stuff like that, because I think that's super important. Um, I think that initially what draws me to this game is pictures of very cool looking fey uh, creatures and monsters with otherworldly features and weapons and magical armor and stuff like that. So I want you to like really have fun telling me about that. Uh, but we'll just wait until we get to like the, the um, kind of like character gen part. And uh, any last words before I shift over to Craig and we, we try to catch his, uh, his idea. I mean, that's my big thing. And I definitely do have some strong inspiration on the, appearances which i can even find pictures in the work easily awesome i can't wait i'm very uh i i really just like in games when um when we talk about like what people look like and what our characters look like and that's one of my favorite things so yeah i'm i'm glad to hear it craig do you have any ideas about the the fey you'll be uh you'll be playing in this game i have some ideas adam um i admit that i'm not very uh knowledgeable about the canonical lore but if we're playing fast and loose and i have this vision in my head i'm sure we can get it uh, to dots on paper we can so when we you were first pitching this you said 1230s bordeaux and immediately caught my attention and then you put a picture um from the book showing this like elfin princess dancing with this like beast man thing i'm like that beast man thing is cool and my daughter has been watching a lot of beauty and the beast lately so i was kind of thinking to myself okay so the beast is cursed to be a beast but what if the beast was his true form and he was always like that and in fact what if like the whole concept behind him was unabashed desire hunger and just like this overwhelming ego ego so like I have this idea of this like uh like like boar man thing um who wears these really nice regal clothes, but like he's he's big, he's like he cares about eating things, consuming their essence. Humans you, you mentioned a lot about eating eating people. Yeah, sure, he'll love that. Um uh eating spirits, sprites, sure, he'll do that too doesn't matter it's he doesn't have a political agenda around his consumption but he just like this is what his this is his drive he's going to consume things around him and like a boar um like if someone gets in his territory or something that he considers his to consume or have or possess he's gonna fight that thing and hopefully he comes out on top so like if if there is some sort of um rival it's probably like like a boar like his his rival is a better hunter, but boars have this tendency that even when you think they're dead, they keep fighting and keep eating and keep goring. And I see him sort of like this juggernaut pig boy man person. So um, you know, touchstones. Uh I, I mentioned beast. I mentioned the picture you show me, man bear pig. I got I got these just like very bestial um vibes i'm feeling with this character um i'm thinking that makes it more of a physical attribute focused character uh whereas bill was saying that uh uh his character wouldn't have a lot of power for himself and a lot of it was going to connections 
basically my character is like power and hunger, thirst, very low willpower. He could probably manipulate it, be manipulated and pointed in a direction and fired the off like a weapon and just like be directed to go loose at something. He doesn't care. He doesn't care the political purpose behind it. He just, he enjoys it. I love that concept. I think that uh, is a extremely strong character concept for this game. And I think that uh, the court that like calls out in my head, the most to that idea would of course be the uh, winter court, which is very much in line with like, just being proud of your, of your like true beast um, and just doing whatever that entails. Um, So I think that that's like super, uh, super perfect idea. I forgot the other thing I was going to tell you about that. Yeah. So um, one cool thing about Faye in this game is they have all of them have power over um, cantrips. Uh, They, they have this, type of magic uh, where basically there's certain things that they just inherently know because of their, you know, mists and weaving, but also they have the ability to unleash and kind of what that means. Like just in, just like game terms is like, you can do stuff that you don't know. Like you can do like basically the, the third dot, level of something you only have the first dot in but it's like risky uh but that's like kind of their whole thing is like you can do some crazy magic in this game uh some you can get some wild effects done uh anybody you know starting level characters uh i'm all about saying damn the torpedoes and just going face first into someone's stomach yeah absolutely I, I i i don't know how it works mechanically but i'm thinking that the characters have like some sort of a human form and like a fae bestial form yep um in my head he's maybe like a fat merchant or something maybe like because back in the day no one was big but he is so he's noticed right away and i just have this image in my mind of him just like headbutting someone and tusks growing out of his face and him just like eating his way through the like enemy's stomach I don't know how this happens uh, mechanically on a machine on a sheet, but I want that to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's um, consider it done. First of all, um, Faye in this game do have both uh, like a, uh, they have their true fairy form and then they have like a human mask that they can kind of like hide in. Uh, but, and, and it's kind of interesting too, what you said, because the way that they, that they develop their mask is like they study one person for long enough to learn how to like change into them. And for winter court, uh, Faye, a lot of times it's like people that get like lost in the fairy realms, like from walking under a bridge or something like that. And they're just like lost in the woods and stuck, or maybe they got kidnapped and brought into the fairy realm. But like, basically you, you, you study somebody and you figure out you master some fae are good at changing into a bunch of people, but every fae has mastered how to change into a person. I feel like he like he was just in the woods one day, and lo and behold, here comes a merchant who was stupid enough to travel without an escort. Like 
and he passes under like like a down log or something, passes out of out of um view and just keeps going. And then like the tape rewinds, and as he's passing under the down log and he's covered with shadow, he's just being ripped apart by something, and then he's just replaced because you know, time in the fairyland, he was probably tortured for days and eaten, but it was only a few seconds or even a moment that occurred on the other side where he was replaced. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, yeah, Winter Court sounds great. Um, I was looking at your descriptions that you gave to us. I'm like, yeah, he'll eat people. That's, that's what he's, he's that's what he's built for. Um, like my first reading of this game, I definitely thought that Winter Court was like not player territory or something. Because I was like, oh, okay, this is like this is like the sabbat of this game. This is like where you're just gonna kill people and just do that kind of stuff. Um, but it's like it's actually a very compelling court when you read it, and um, they, it's like they do have a very interesting stance and a very interesting point because of all the other courts, they seem to be the most about the war between us is stupid we're fae it's it's us and humanity it's not us against each other oh yeah and i think that that's actually like um we're global gym we're better than you and we know it yeah exactly absolutely um so i think that that's cool um but that being said like you can be a raging beast and be part of uh, any of the courts really just because you're part of a court doesn't mean you're fully humanist and uh not down to eat people but somebody that has a focus on eating and their territory and their hunger and their beastly nature, I would say that like winter is going to be your bread and butter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm also, if there's another character or player who can manipulate him and aim him to whatever ends, I'm, I'm totally down with that. So buckle up, Bill. This is awesome. Uh, I guess that my hunter is going to have to have higher social stats than me, but you know, that's life sometimes. <laughs> so wait, so your concept is an actual hunter? A uh, former god of the hunt. So maybe but, in some time, I, I'm just thinking off, uh, like off the top of my head, like maybe at some point, like ego was bested by some sort of a hunter or something. And maybe you had something to do with that just to kind of link us together a little bit. I'm not sure if that would like make you like safe from reproach in my character's eyes or whatever, but I mean, honestly, for all we know, you could have found cave drawings of me at one point. Um, yeah. Done, yeah. And then they're done in blood. So I licked them off or something. Another, yeah, that brings up another important point to consider. Uh, the Fae are timeless beings. Um, you know, they've existed always. Uh, maybe, maybe not always as Fae. Maybe you were like a sprite at some point if you're if you're a firstborn, or maybe you know you sprung up out of some natural phenomenon, or maybe you didn't exist until somebody swapped you um, with a Fae child or a human child. In the case of changelings. Um, but fairies are, in a sense, immortal. Uh, in a way, spending time in fair in a fairy realm, like after a certain period of being there, your aging kind of stops. Uh, and like, even if you go back, um, 
and this is for like mortal people, even if you go back, you're aging at like a much decelerated rate now because of the time you spent in the fairy realm and, and what it does to, to your physicality. Um, fake creatures like firstborns and inanimate and established changelings that have been a changeling for a little bit, um, as long as they have constant contact with the fairy realm, uh, they're going to live until something kills them. Uh, if you're sleeping in a fairy holding, you're resting your head there, uh, which you kind of are because that's how you get mists back in this game. You are, yeah, you're you're immortal essentially until something kills you. Uh, and that also like it brings up another cool point is that like you could have been so many different things throughout like history. Like there's a very interesting story in the book about um, an autumn changeling who kind of masquerades as like the archangel Michael. And um, he's like getting all this power from all these shrines that people are building to the archangel Michael. And like, he's just been living as this thing called archangel Michael and people have been worshiping him. And it's about doing what works. It's about like a special legend. Yeah, absolutely. That's literally it. It's a humans are going to write history and you got to try to rewrite history to fit yourself into it. And it's like this constant battle of humanity defining things weaving and you trying to um carve out your own existence as well and define yourself uh in the face of disbelief and in the face of all these all these new challenges it really reminds me of like how bill was describing in our mage game about like your shadow identity and how like the more you make the myth about you the more like the myth you become but the more power you can draw on it in return yeah, and I mean, I think that that has a huge parallel to this game. Um, Faye in this game are able to make oaths with humanity, and in return, those oaths lessen the effects of disbelief and the, the power of echoes against them. And uh, echoes are the, the little things that are your Faye's weakness, whether that is a nursery rhyme that people tell or the sight of a cross, or the sound of church bells. Iron. And yeah, iron. I mean, I feel like that's a universal one for, for all the Fae at this time. And it's like, a, that's, a, that's a crazy thing is, you know, there's some sort of major oath that has changed or been broken to allow like all Fae to have this weakness. And it's like, this is just such a fluctuating time where some of the oldest oaths that humanity has made are being forgotten and um, and things are, are changing uh, very drastically and dramatically. Um, yeah. So uh, unless you guys have any other questions, how would you guys feel about uh, putting some dots on some paper and uh, getting these ideas statted out? Let's do it. I feel good about that. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.